Guys, if you have low back pain, this is the episode for you. Or if you want to prevent having low back pain. Yeah. yeah. If you have it or you want to prevent it, you never want to have it. We're going to talk about low back pain as it relates to skiing because why? Water skiers often have low back issues, right? Yeah. And we're going to talk about mechanically why that is likely happening unless there's some underlying stuff. Like, of course, there might be someone out there that's had a major injury or structurally they've got major scoliosis. This isn't going to necessarily be your answer, but it's not going to hurt. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's get right into it. So. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the big, there's a lot of stuff happening with your back, right? But primarily when we're getting low back pain, it's about the relationship of our pelvis to our spine. And that is affected by the strength and mobility and stability of the muscles that are surrounding it. So the big movers, and we're, I'm going to talk today about like the big, big muscles. And then I'm going to show you guys some things that you can do without any equipment, just with with your body at the lake, at your house, at your gym, wherever you're at. Um, to be able to hopefully start to, to mitigate some of this, these issues or prevent these issues. So, um, the big muscles, we've got four big muscles and I add a fifth one in there, but we've got our, our, um, rectus femoris, which is one of our quad muscles, the front of our thigh. We have our psoas, which is a muscle that starts down kind of on our femur and inserts, it goes up through our body like sideways and it attaches to our lumbar. We have our glutes. So our big butt muscles. We have our, um, what did QL. I go through? QL. We have our QL, which is our, our, this muscle on our low back down here. And then we have our hamstrings. So those are the big, big muscle groups. There's a lot more for those of you that are, that are, um, biology nerds. There's a lot more happening in there, but those are the big ones. So, um, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to demonstrate and talk about how these muscles being tight and or weak can result in um, structural or structural and postural mishaps that can that can hurt our back or not feel good in our back. Basically saying if you're stiff, <laughs> it's gonna hurt. And this yeah. this yeah. is why. So a lot of low back pain can be relieved by strengthening and lengthening or loosening our muscles. So um, Again, big things when our hip flexors, so our, our rectus femoris and our psoas, two of those muscles I talked about when those, their job is to flex my hip, bring my knee up high, right? Get that 90 degree angle in my hip or more. When those are tight, they send my pelvis, they, they, they get a little bit shorter for lack of a better term. And they, they send my pelvis into this forward tilt. So imagine my hips are a bucket of water. I've got water dumping out the front. I want to have those, that bucket nice and level, and that's going to be a stacked hip underneath my spine, right? So from here, if I am tight from sitting a lot, from doing a lot of running or biking, um, maybe just chronically tight from whatever you've done in your life, we end up in this position not ideal already. And I'm exaggerating this really uh, arch back position, but walking through life like this, this, my low back is taking the load. When these are tight, my glutes, my butt muscles turn off and they don't turn off. They're just not firing a lot, right? There's not activity because it's impossible to squeeze my butt muscles and use them when I'm in this arch back position. From there, my QL, that other muscle I talked about, my low back, starts to try to stabilize. So it gets overactive and really tight to try to stabilize my spine. So I've got all of this mixture of stuff happening in here that is really affecting my low back. It's muscles fighting against each other, trying to find stability that's not there. 
So the goal is to lengthen and stretch and strengthen all of those muscles to get us back to that stable position. Now, Marcus is going to talk to you about how this position might be negatively impacting your stance on the ski. We know, we know we don't want the spine to be out of position, right? So anytime the spine isn't in, what would, what would you say? The neutral, a neutral position, Sure. right? And we know what a neutral spine looks like. You've seen a skeleton, you've seen there's, a, there's, there's sways and curves, but we don't kink the spine and we don't twist the spine under load, right? You never bend over and twist to pick something heavy up, right? You never overextend to take a load. That's a bad, that's a, that's a bad procedure. That's a bad way of doing things. So when we're water skiing, there's two things that we never want to do, okay? We never want to get flexed or extended under load, and we never want to twist our spine under load, right? So flexion or extension, the end of the turn, when we come around the buoy and we get pulled forward, say we don't have enough hamstring mobility and we start to get pulled forward, sometimes we will just flex at the spine, at the low back because we don't have the hip mobility and the hip mobility is a function of what Jenny was just talking about, glutes, hamstrings, so as all the rest of it. That's one example. The other example is oftentimes, and this is, um, I'm partly to blame, but uh, oftentimes when people try to uh, square up to the boat just a little bit or open up to the boat, they leave their hips behind and they just open their shoulders. Here, can you see that? I even feel that right now, it doesn't feel good. And then they have a load because they're behind the boat on their water ski. You don't ever want to twist your spine under load. Whatever the hips are doing, the shoulders should also be doing. This whole unit from hips to shoulders moves as one unit, but to do that, you have to have a little bit more flexibility and mobility in your hips, in your knees, in your ankles, in your shoulders. So that's why this stuff matters. Another thing I want to talk about is we talk about, or he talks about being stacked or in an athletic stance on your ski. If I have, like I talked about that sway back where my hips are tilted and I'm in my, I'm in a staggered stance, you can't see it right now, but I'm on my ski and my coach is telling me to get my hips up, right? What I end up doing, if I don't have the ability to open my hip, squeeze my glutes and actually get my hips up in that stacked position, I end up just leaning back more. See the difference? There's this whole arch right here, which is loading the spine really, really bad. And this is obviously, exaggerated but i want you guys to not see it. <laughs> really i've seen this before oh no i've probably done good. this before so i can feel this and i have a fairly healthy back but i can feel this when i come back here i can feel that load now imagine i've got a boat tugging me across the lake that's not going to be good right so we want to be able to have the ability to open our hips access our glutes and maintain this strong stacked position from my knees to my shoulders while leaning away from the boat, not arching and rounding away from the boat. When we say everything in water skiing is positional, this is what we mean. If you can't get your body in the right shape, you're not going to get the right result. You may have been trying for years or for months or whatever to get in a better stance on your ski. If you can't do it, it may not be a lack of motivation or a lack of, of trying. It may be literally your body can't get into the right shape. Okay. So that's what, that's why this is so important. Yes. And we're really talking about like the hip area, you guys, your upper back can also be involved. Maybe we'll do a podcast later about that, but it's really about being able to have this working. And most people have really tight hips because the way their lifestyles are. So this is a big thing to address. So 
I'm gonna show you guys some stretches and some strengthening things that could help. These again are gonna be very, very rudimentary. These are things you can do in your living room. You don't have to have anything with you. Um, so hopefully you can actually take this home with you. And for those of you that are listening rather than watching, I do encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel and watch it later if you don't have time to watch it right now because it, it does help to see it. But I'm gonna do my best to try to explain it verbally as well. So the first big one is called a couch stretch. And it's called a couch stretch because it, was, it came from our dear friend at the Ready State, Kelly Sturette. Um, it's called a couch stretch because you can do it on your couch. So I'm gonna demonstrate as though this is my, my couch right here. So here's my bench, here's my, the, the seat of the couch, and then here's the upright of the couch. I'm gonna bring my shin I can you put my hands on the couch in front of me or I can hold on to an ottoman or whatever I've got. You also can do this on the floor. So imagine this is the floor and this is the wall. You're gonna get your shin all the way flat up against the wall or the back of the couch and you're gonna slide your knee down to where it touches the crease of the couch, um, the couch cushions or the crease of the floor and the wall. From here, this is the most important thing of this entire stretch you've got to be able to have access to your glutes. So what we were saying before, if my pelvis is out of position, so here I have an arched back and I don't squeeze this glute, I'm not actually opening this hip. It is still, it's still locked in. So what I want you to think about doing is squeezing your glute to push your hips forward and open up your hip. From here, if this feels like, oh man, that's a big stretch, then you stay here. If you feel like you can start to gain a little bit of range of motion, then you can start to bring yourself up. What we don't wanna do is get ourselves into this arch back position. So more height is not better if you're unable to keep your glute on and your hip forward. And you're gonna hold that position for like 90 seconds to two minutes. You can do some active stuff in it when you're in it. And this is true for all these stretches I'm gonna show you. You can kind of push into the wall, push into the floor so you're a little bit more active for five seconds or so. And then you relax and kind of sink into it a bit, but always have access to that glute. So we're gonna be push, 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 push for like five seconds and then relax. That's a technique called PNF, which can really help to gain range of motion because it tells your nervous system to let your muscles do what they're supposed to do. So couch stretch is the first one to open up that rectus femoris and a little bit of your psoas. The next one is gonna be pigeon pose, and this is really gonna address your glutes. So I'm gonna show this from an elevated surface. So again, you could use your couch. If this is too much, I'll show you how to do it on the floor. But ideally, you're gonna have your shin parallel to the couch or laying on the couch this way. And you're going to, from here, try again to keep your chest nice and tall, not extending through your spine. You're still locked in here. And then you're gonna to try to lower yourself down to where your knee is on the floor. This is a pretty big stretch. A lot of people will not be able to get to this point. So you can put a riser or pillows or something underneath this knee so you're up a little bit. You can even just use your hands on the couch and you're gonna feel a stretch in that glute. Just like our other our couch stretch, you can kind of push into it. So you'll push your whole body kind of into the floor, actively pushing the shin into the, or into the bench. And then you're gonna relax into it. So again, it's that kind of five seconds push in for five seconds or so and then you're gonna relax into the stretch a little bit more for like eight to 10 seconds. So that is it, the pigeon pose from a bench. The other way is from the floor, you'll just come into your plank position, then you're gonna take one leg, so we'll take my right leg up, and then I'm gonna bring my right knee to match my, to touch my right wrist. And then I'm just gonna extend my left leg behind me and I'm gonna to try to sit down. A common mistake, and especially if you have really tight glutes, is we start to lean away from it. 
I want you to keep your hips squared up. And as you're starting to feel like you're gaining range or you feel like you can get a little bit more, you start to scoot your body back and that shin becomes a little bit more perpendicular to your body. And again, you'll feel a stretch in the, the glute of the leg that is crossed in front. So that's pigeon pose to address your glutes. The next one I have on here is kneeling hip extension with reach. So this is really gonna get into your psoas. You're gonna come down onto the floor. You're gonna be um, in a half kneeling stance. Get your feet wide enough that balance isn't an issue. And from here again, thinking like the couch stretch, the goal here is to get our hips forward. We're extending or opening that back leg hip. So you're gonna squeeze your glute to get this open. And from here, you might already feel a stretch in that hip flexor psoas area. If you do, great. To add a little bit more into it, you're gonna raise the arm of the leg that is in the back. So my left leg is back, my left arm is up, and I'm gonna just reach kind of up and over my body. But again, primarily you're thinking of squeezing the glute and pushing that hip forward to open it. If you were to look at it from the side position, the most common mistake on this is people think, oh yeah, look at me, look at how good I'm doing. Okay, all you've done is arch your back, right? We're again hanging, we're, we're exacerbating the, the already existing problem. So it's not about coming further forward and extending, it's about being stacked and then opening the hip. And this is true hip extension. From here, again, that PNF, you can kind of think of like your, your feet and knee are gonna move, but it's like you're trying to pull them together. So I'm actively pulling my leg, my, my back leg forward and my front leg back to squeeze and open this for like five seconds, and then I relax. Again, raising the arm, doing that, and then relaxing. So that's gonna get your psoas and your hip flexor again. The next thing we're gonna do, you guys, is gonna be a standing QL stretch, and you're gonna need to have a door frame or a pole or something like this. You can use a wall if you have something to hang on to on it. But you're going to, sometimes I do this wrong, so let me practice it first. Yeah, you're gonna put the leg, the, the side that I want to be stretching, that leg is gonna go behind me. So I'm gonna be facing with my right side to the wall or to the door frame. My left leg is in back, my right leg is in front. I'm gonna bring my left arm and I'm gonna reach it up and over. Some of us might feel the stretch here. If you want more, you push your hips away as you look underneath your arm and you're gonna feel a big stretch all through your side. You can even look down, you can kind of play around with your range of motion by, by moving your torso around a little bit to feel that differently. Again, we are all individual humans who feel things differently. The only wrong way is the way that hurts. If it causes pain, not good. We do not want pain. We wanna have a stretch that we can breathe through normally, ideally in and out of our nose, and feel ourselves progressively week after week getting better at this. So that QL stretch again is just up and over and you make sure that you do both sides. This one is really big for water skiers. Typically our back leg side is much tighter than our front leg. So I would also encourage you as a water skier to give extra attention, maybe do a little one and a half times as long on your back leg side as your front leg. The final thing that we're gonna do for a stretch is gonna be a hamstring floss. And this again, without any tools, there's lots of different ways to do this, but this is without any tools. You're gonna come into a, a staggered stance, pretty long stance here, and I'm gonna come down. Some of us might need to have blocks here. So you might use yoga blocks, have some books stacked up, have two ottomans or two chairs to your side, whatever you need. But if you can, the goal is to get down to the floor with your hands. My front knee is bent, my back leg is straight. I'm also trying to keep my back flat. I don't wanna round around. 
And all I'm gonna try to do is straighten my front leg as I drive my chest even more up, so I'm driving kind of like my belly button to my thigh, and then I'm just gonna bend it and straighten it. Most of us are not gonna be able to get our knee all the way straight, so yours might look a little bit more like this. You're still gonna feel it in that hamstring, knowing that our ultimate goal is to be able to get that thing straight. So to do that PNF thing, the, the pushing into it on this one, you're gonna think of actively when you come to this extension, try to pull your foot back without actually moving it. You're just gonna actively pull into that stretch a little bit, and then you're gonna exhale and go out of it. Straighten and try to pull for five seconds or so, and then you're gonna come out of it for eight to 10 seconds. So again, addressing the muscles around the hip, addressing the muscles around the low back, that is gonna be what actually gets us to stabilize our hip to our spine and um, give us some freedom from hopefully any aches or pains that we have there. All right guys, being flexible through this, these areas is really important, but also we have to be strong. So true mobility is the ability to voluntarily move yourself through range of motion. So we can't just have the flexibility, we also have to have the strength to be able to stabilize and move ourselves through it. Um, there are a lot of ways to get strong around this area to really strengthen your back. But again, I'm showing things that you can do just in your living room. So the first one that we're gonna do is gonna be a split squat. You're gonna get in that same stance that if you were gonna do your, your hamstring stretch we just did, um, but you're gonna come up onto the ball of the back foot. You're gonna squeeze the back glute. Let's remember having access to our glute is really important so we can actually open up the hip. And then from this position, all I'm gonna try to do is lower myself down until my back knee touches the floor, and then I'm gonna stand back up. If we are really tight or weak, what oftentimes will happen is we'll come down here. Again, it's about squeezing the glute and keeping our chest nice and open. As far as rep schemes go, very, it varies. But I would say, generally speaking, let's go with like three sets of eight of most of these. Um, and then if you add weight, all that gets a little bit different. But let's stick with three sets of eight. So you'll do eight of those on each side. The next thing is going to be a hip bridge, and you can just use the floor, right? You're going to lay, you can also elevate your feet onto a couch, but you're going to lay on your, your back. I want you to plant your feet about hip width apart, and you're going to think from here first. Again, I got to get organized, so I'm going to brace my midline. I'm going to tuck my tailbone a little bit so that my, my spine is neutral. I'm not arching my back here. My rib cage is down. The relationship of my hip, the front of my hip, that, that bony part on the front, and the bottom of my rib cage should maintain the same distance. I don't want to have it get bigger or smaller as I move here. So again, you're going to kind of tuck your tailbone, squeeze your bum, tighten your midline, and all I want you to do is one vertebrae at a time, think lifting up your hips to get yourself into your extension, and then you're going to come down one vertebrae at a time to lower yourself back down. Some common mistakes on this is as we go up, we get to that top position, we think, oh, Jenny said to get my hips all the way open. And so I just lift my, my rib cage. Again, this goes back to what we were saying in the beginning. You can see all I've done is arch my low back. I haven't actually extended my hip. And my hips are kind of tight right now, so it might not even look like I'm all the way open. Um, but we're going for, again, those, I say eight, you might get yourself up to 15 if you're doing those unweighted. Plank holds, we're all familiar with plank holds, and oftentimes these are done not correctly. So. Plank hold, you can do them in a straight arm position, you can do them in a bent arm position, but what I want you to really focus on again is that hip position. So you're gonna step one foot out, step the other foot out. You're gonna match your feet, you're gonna squeeze your knees together, you're gonna think of squeezing your bum, and you're going to brace the midline, 
and you're actively pushing through your elbows or your hands, wherever you're at, to hold that strong position. A very common mistake on a plank is that as we start to get tired, I lose my glutes and I start to get in this arch back position. So again, we wanna think of maintaining that glute squeeze, squeezing my knees together and bracing through that midline so there's no wavering. If it's too much for you to do at first, do it from your knees or put your hands up on something to make it so your body's at a little bit more of an elevation. That obviously isn't gonna be eight reps. I'd say goal is at a very minimum one minute. As a water skier, you should be able to hold that for one minute at a very, very minimum. So if you're at 20 seconds right now, cool. Give yourself three sets of 20, then maybe three sets or three sets of 30, get yourself up to being able to do a minute. The final thing is a Superman raise. And we talked in the beginning about we don't want to be under load to get flexed forward or to get extended, but in sport, in life, sometimes that happens. We've got a boat tugging us around the lake, right? We get out of position, we might get into the, the wrong position. I want you to have the mobility and the strength to be able to withstand that, to stay injury free. And so a Superman hold or raises is a really good way to start to strengthen all the muscles, the little muscles and big muscles around the spine and extension. So laying on our stomach, arms overhead, head is nice and neutral, feet together, knees together, glutes on, all I'm gonna do from here is lift my whole body up as one unit into extension. Oftentimes what happens when we go do this is I'm missing upper back mobility, so my arms stay down and I just like crank through my back. Again, it's a whole big lift. Another common mistake is that I think I'm lifting and really all I do is lift my head. Again, we're lifting as one unit. Sometimes if we're really tight in our hips, getting our legs up off the floor is really hard. So it might be something where at first you need to start with just holding yourself in Cobra and getting used to some extension in that spine. If you are someone who has a very rigid spine and you can't find that extension, that also is not good. We wanna be able to move our body through full ranges of motion. So I just gave you the muscles that might be causing some issues if you're having low back pain. I gave you some mobility tools that you can do or some stretching tools that you can do without having any equipment as well as some strengthening tools. Um, it goes much deeper than this, you guys, but this is some beginning things that hopefully you can use and um, will help you if you are struggling with some, some low back stuff. Look who's back. Guys, that was a lot. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for taking the time. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to join us on this kind of like off the beaten track, if you will, uh, talk about water skiing, but I think very, very much fundamental to what we do as skiers. Our body is, is our tool. That's, that's how we do this sport. That's how we navigate life. If we're hurting, if we're deficient, um, if we're injured, we, we can't do what we love. So this is very important stuff. This is what we talk about on the method quite often. This is just kind of a snapshot of it. And um, yeah. One thing that we think with water skiing, we're finding with Flowpoint Method, or I'm finding at least, obviously water skiing is our carrot. We all love it. It's such a fun sport. It gives us something to do with our friends and family and something to strive for to challenge ourselves. And we're using it as a way to better ourselves as humans. And part of that is being a functioning human for life. So I don't want you guys to have low back pain that takes you away from skiing or takes you away from picking up your grandkids or you're unable to go hike that mountain you wanna go hike. I want you guys to feel good. And so I get excited with Flowpoint Method because it gives me this group of water skiers who I then get to help nutritionally, fitness, movement-wise, feel better for life. So. 
Um, low back pain is a chronic thing across the whole planet, not just water skiers, but water skiers get a little bit more of it. So hopefully yep. these were some nuggets that can help. Thank you, everybody. If you like this, please hit like, comment below. Um, if you're on the podcast, please go watch this on YouTube because you'll get a lot more out of it. And if you have suggestions on what you want us to cover again or more of, yeah. let us know. We're, we're here for you.